0: Welcome to the podcast of Rainbow Family Christian Center with Pastors Horace and Patricia Drumming. We would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray that you are impacted, inspired, and encouraged by the Word of God. Let's check out today's message. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you that we are alive in Christ today. Thank you because he's resurrected some dead people, right? He's resurrected us. We were dead uh, to our sin. We were dead to ourselves. But now we are alive in Christ. And we have a reason to rejoice. So we thank you, Jesus. I'm just going to open up with a word of prayer. I'm Kyle. If you don't know who I am, um, let's just look to the Lord this morning. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for being able to come together in your name, praising and worshiping you, O God. For, Father, it is a privilege that we have that we can now come boldly before the throne of grace and now speak to you as children, O God, as friends of God. Lord, let it not be so uh, diminished amongst us that, God, that we don't recognize how great of a privilege that is, that we can come before our maker. We can join together before our maker, O God, because you have extended your grace over our lives. And so we thank you for this today, O God. Let our hearts be ready to receive. Let the words that flow out of my mouth be the words of your words and your words only, O God. Let me be an oracle for you, O God, so that we would be equipped to do what you have called us to do, so that we would please you, O God, that you will look down on our lives and we would, or you would say to us that our lives, our lives are pleasing to you, O God, that you take delight in us, O God. And so, Father, let our hearts be ready. We, we ready our hearts right now. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. Um, welcome, welcome to service today. All right, I'm going to start off reading a scripture, actually. It says, You brood of snakes you warn, uh, who warned you to flee God's coming wrath, prove by the way you live that you have been repented of your sins and turn to God. Don't just say to each other, we are safe, for we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now, the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to serve uh, the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. Wow. So what scripture am I reading from? Luke 3. Luke chapter 3. That's verse 7. Um, that's very, that sounds very harsh to me, right? To start off uh, a sermon, I know I chose it today. I don't think I would normally choose a scripture like this, um, to start off a sermon. Why? Because it's not uplifting. We just sung very uplifting songs, songs that reminded of the life that God has given us, the the freedom that we have. But these words, and definitely in light of today's society, they sound harsh. They sound like we are being condemned or we are being judged. And today's society, we don't like that right we don't like to look at our faults we don't like to be reminded of what we used to be or what we did last night or whatever we don't like to be corrected but i want to pause here to say correction is necessary in the life of a christian correction is necessary even how we uh, have access to the cross, he says that we should confess our sins, and then God is able and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But it's first acknowledging that we have messed up. Right? Amen? Amen? Amen. So we shouldn't be afraid or so uncomfortable with correction because this is what God wills for us. Um, If you guys know me, then you know what I like to quote from uh, a lot, what scripture I like to quote from a lot, is Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Um, you don't have to go there. Uh, it says, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness, so that the man of God, or the woman of God, may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Right? That's what it says. Reproof And correction, doctrine, and instruction; these are all a part of our lives as a Christian, right? That we need to be reading the the, the Word of God so that we can be corrected. Now, I I like to point out that I like to point out that the Scripture talks about reproof and correction. Reproof is what a lot of times we think about as today is. correction. It's actually pointing out where somebody goes wrong, all right? Where you've been wrong, where you, what you did wrong. It's, it's about pointing out your flaw and understanding that we are all flawed, right? There's nobody perfect among us, but we have to point out our flaw, and that the scripture points out that we are flawed, right? That's, the law was given to show us that we were lawless, okay? That we were not abiding by the law. But then, also, coming alongside the scripture, or coming alongside a reproof, we have correction. Correction speaks about how to get right. How to get right, okay? And so I want to put that in context of the, the scripture in Luke that we're, we're going to speak about today. But before I do that, I want to jump off on my first rabbit trail and talk about this is the scripture Is equipping us to do the good works that God has created us to do, right? And in Ephesians, right, if we look at Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, I want to remind you um, that these are the good works that God had for us long ago. So it says in Ephesians 2, 9, and 10, it says, for we are God's workmanship created for Christ, or in Christ, for good works. God prepared these things so that we would walk in them, right? So, God has already ordained good works for you to walk in. God has ordained for each one of us for good works. He already prepared works for us to do. We are his, and he said, I have good works for you to do. But how do we get equipped for those good works? It's through his scripture. It's through his scripture, Uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound to every good work. Now, note, he says, I have works for you that I have predestined. I have already know that you're going to do them. I'm going to give you the word to equip you in those good works, Right? But now he's also saying, I'm giving you the grace that you need so that you have everything that you need so that you can do the good work. Amen. So it's in you. He's, he's given it to you. All you have to do is tap into his grace. Amen. He has equipped... So, so think about this. God had a plan for your life so that he already, before you were born, he already outlaid good works for you to do then he gives you the word to equip you and he gives you the grace so that you have everything that you need Amen. for you to do the good works that he has already planned for you. Amen. Thank Lord. That is a powerful statement yeah. because he already has everything lined up for you to be prepared to do the good works. Amen. He's already outlined it. He already created the, the, the plan. All we have to do is walk in it. Amen? So that's why the correction and the reproof is necessary. Because without it, we're not going to be on the right path to do what God has already ordained for us to do. Amen. I, I, oh, shana, oh, um, look, I, didn't, I, I wasn't going to share this yet. But I'm telling you, um, Funta recently went to Nigeria to pick up her dad because he was having... A medical issue but we know that he is healed and whole but the amount of attacks that came on her as she was trying to leave this country and go to a country that she also calls her own right she has passports for both countries but the amount of attacks that just kept she was supposed to leave on a Monday she didn't get there until she didn't leave until Wednesday she got rerouted through Europe she was supposed to be a direct flight into Lagos But she didn't get there until Friday And her dad was there saying Look, I don't care if you just got here But I'm leaving today I'm leaving today There are things, there are powers That are trying to restrict me to stay in this country But I know where God wants me And he was even saying to Funta He said, you know, where's your faith? Everything will be all right." But see, nothing could stop her nothing could stop her because God had already ordained her steps. God had already prepared her way. And so that's what we want to focus on, all right? That's what we want to focus on and say, God has already ordained our steps. He's already provided a way. All, and now I want to get in alignment with him. So Amen. reproof shows me I'm out of alignment. Yeah. But correction says how to get back in alignment, how to get back on the right path, how to get on the path that God wants for us. Amen? Amen. All right, so um, let me read a little bit more in in, in Luke. So um, we're at Luke seven through, uh, or sorry, Luke three seven through nine. But oh, let me pause here. Actually, so I was talking about how this 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 scripture sounds harsh. It sounds like judgment. It sounds, it, 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 it's so hard. So why, I, I was thinking, why would these people be sitting there? They can be doing anything that they want. They can, they can go out and uh, c- celebrate with all the funds they've acquired. These were not poor people that were sitting in front of Jesus at the time, and I'll show you why, right? Why could? Why are they sitting here taking that, Quote unquote abuse. Why were they sitting there? Think about that as we read the scripture. Because the crowds asked in verse 10, What shall we do? So after hearing that they were out of alignment, they received the reproof. They asked the question, What shall we do? Not let me go home, let me pack my bags. What shall we do? And what does he say? John replied, If you have two shirts, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. Even the corrupt tax collectors came to be baptized and and asked, Teacher, what shall we do? And he replied, Collect no more taxes than the government requires. What shall we do? asked some soldiers. And John replied, don't extort money or make false accusations, and, don't, and be content with your pay. What shall we do? Because for so long, this group of people... Now, notice, these are tax collectors, these are soldiers, these are other Jewish people. These are Jewish people. Think about it. These were Jewish people collecting taxes and extorting their own people. These are Jewish soldiers who are extorting their own people. They're using their position of power to extort something from their own people. They felt, I know it doesn't sound this way, but they felt like there was no hope for them because society has already condemned them. What does the law say to do? It says to people like this, cut off their hand. It says, burn them, right? Not burn them, literally. But it says, kill them, right? The law literally condemns them. They have no hope. They have no way. But now this is John crying out in the wilderness and saying, hey, there is a way. He's coming after me. Get prepared. Get prepared. He's not saying that you're hopeless because you've sinned. You understand? He's not saying no matter what you've, you've done. He's saying, I am introducing a way. I am introducing a way. I am letting you know that there is a way. And these people needed that hope. Because notice, it says they came to be baptized. They came to wash away their sins. They came to repent. Now, I, I thought I knew what repent meant. Um, because every time I read a dictionary, it talks about being remorseful. It, it talks about being sad about what you did and wanting to do something else, right? But when I was looking at the word repent uh, in a Greek tense, it means to change one's mind. That's all. It means to understand and look at the world in a different viewpoint. To change one's mind. That's why now it makes sense when it says in Romans 12:1, where it says, "Be ye not trans- uh, 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 conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind." It makes sense when you read in um, what is it, Psalm 23, where it says, uh, uh, "The Lord shall renew your soul, your mind, your will, and your intellect." Right? Your mind, your will, and your emotions. God is trying to transform your mind. Amen? Amen? In verse 15, it says everyone was expecting the Messiah to come. They were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. But I want to stop there. Say they were expecting. They were expecting. They were expecting they were here because they were expecting they were expecting they knew that no matter how harsh the words sounded coming from John at first that he was providing a way to a new life a way out of sin a way that they can live and be in proper relationship with God despite their sin despite their sin The, Let's jump over to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. <laughs> Whitney's telling me, come on, preach. Um, the, uh, Amen. Let's jump over to John chapter 4, because we see a similar story here. Let's jump down to verse 7 here. I'm letting you... Walk to your bibles um it says soon a Samaritan woman came to the um, came to the well to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me sorry, I need to pick up my Bible here. I guess I'm getting older or something the um soon I'm not old at all don't don't worry soon a Samaritan woman came to the uh, came to, the, uh, 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 to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Right? Now notice, again, the Samaritans, they were Israelites. They were not considered Jews, but they were Israelites, okay? So they understood, at least from a scriptural standpoint, they read, you know, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, uh, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They read those. They understood it. But they did not believe, oh, you go to worship in Jerusalem. We worship where Jacob's. Jacob and um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob worship. We worship in these hills. We don't worship there. We don't have to have a temple over there. And so, but these are people that the Jews looked down upon, right? The Jews had no affiliation with them. They were people that were perceived, they're not going to get salvation. They don't get atonement when we offer our sacrifices once a year. They're not worthy, They're not worthy. And even look at what she says. She doesn't just say she's a Samaritan. She says, I'm a woman. You're not supposed to talk to me. It's like a woman's not a person. Right? Why does she have to put that in there? You know, you have to think about it. This is because she's saying, I'm in a lower place in society. You're not supposed to talk to me. Men are not supposed to talk to women. Women are not supposed to talk to men. But Christ, think about this. Christ came to this well and no one was around. No one to apply their judgment on what Jesus was doing. No one to apply their culture onto what Jesus was doing. God knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing when he was meeting her. He knew. Notice what she says next. Uh, Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But, sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? And Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water then I will never be thirsty again. I won't have to come to get water. So she misunderstood, right? She was thinking about natural water, but he was speaking about spiritual things. And so she says, Please, um, Jesus says to her, go and get your husband. Go and get your husband. God knew what, that she had no husband, right? He knew. And we will see that. He knew that she, he, he, she had no husband, right? And I don't have a husband, the woman replied. You're right, Jesus says. You don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one that you're living with is not even the one you're married to. You're not married to the one you're living with, right? Again, think about this. It sounds like judgment. It sounds like Judgment. It sounds like judgment. But Christ is just saying, are you acknowledging that you have need for me? Yeah. Are you acknowledging that you can't do this all on your own? You can't get right without me. Yeah. Can you admit that you made a mistake? Yeah. You know, in today's society, it's very hard for us to admit when we make mistakes. Yeah. We always, when somebody points out our mistake, we say, oh, but there's a log in your eye. Yeah. We, we, we always say, oh, well, what, what did you do? to precipitate this situation. What did you do to offend me, right? Or what are you doing in your own household? Don't tell me about my household, but that's the attitude that we have. And Jesus is saying that's not the attitude that we should have. We need to come more humbly before him and acknowledge not one of us can go throughout this life without sinning. Not one of us And even every one of us who then accepts Christ into our life, stop acting perfect. Stop acting perfect like you have everything right. We all make mistakes. And I'm here to say I've made mistakes as a Christian, as a believer, even after I've been ordained as a deacon, even after I've been walking um, to be a minister, I've made mistakes. I've offended people. You understand? I've sinned. Stop acting like we have not sinned. Because when we do that, we stop the flow of His grace in our life. We've stopped acknowledging that God has the power to raise that dead thing. The thing that our own mouths have cursed are things that our own mouth produce death from. Right? Because life and, and the power of life and death are in the power of your tongue. And with our tongues, we've created dead situations. But if we want those dead situations to come back alive, we need to acknowledge that we need Jesus to bring life to it because he is the life giver. So he acknowledges, she acknowledges, and she says, so she's honest. She's honest. She acknowledges that she doesn't have a husband right now. She acknowledges her sin. But notice, think about it. Again, this sounds like condemnation, right? But notice, she doesn't run away from the conversation. This is a hard conversation to have, to point out my flaws, but I don't run from the conversation. I can't run from Jesus when he shines light that I've been in darkness. I can't run from him. I have to have this hard conversation with Christ. And sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim that it is here on Mount Gerizim or whatever, where the ancestors worship? Whatever. The, um, so Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, The time is coming when it no longer matters whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. Now, uh, I was debating whether I should stop on this point, um, because a few years ago, I was—well, not few, it's been quite a long time now, 13 years ago, I guess— I was in New York on 125th Street, which is in um, Harlem, right? heart of Harlem, Harlem. And so I'm walking down the road, and I see what people call black Israelites, right? And so they believe that salvation is only for Israelites and that black people are only Jews. Now, uh, ludicrous concept, um, but they used the scripture, and they said, well, look at this scripture. It says Jesus himself says salvation is of the Jews. If you read the uh, King James Version, it says salvation is of the Jews, okay? Um, and so they were arguing that it meant belongs to, because that's one definition of of, right? It belongs to. It's solely for them. But if you actually research the Greek word, it's ek, ek, and it means originates out of. Coming from. And so they were misquoting this because the very point of this scripture is to show that salvation is not only for the Jews, but you can't hate the Jews, you can't hate Jesus if you're going to accept salvation. You can't have hatred in your heart and deny the very thing, the very reason why Jesus came is to love. It's to love you can't. So I know that's a little, you know, side point, but no. like, when people are yelling at you on the street, and, and they're telling you all sorts of things that they believe, go back and actually do the research of the word. Do the research, because people will often quote things that they know nothing of. They thought they were giving revelation to people on the street, but they were actually teaching false doctrine. They were actually teaching something that has no basis and even the scripture that they used was wrong. All right, so um, so the woman said, or, or actually I'm at, um, where am I now? So, but the time is coming indeed. It is here when tr- true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him in that way. For God is a spirit to those who worship him, must worship him in spirit and in truth and the woman said i know the messiah is coming the one who is called christ when he comes he will explain everything to us and notice what she says or what, what notice what jesus says jesus told her i am the messiah i am the messiah now notice she is expecting to You notice that the people in John, they were expecting the Messiah. Now the Samaritan is expecting the Messiah. Now Jesus is revealing to us that he is the Messiah. He's the one that's being sent. He's the one that's uh, being sent as a savior. And so if we keep jumping down in this verse, because I'm trying to get to my last point. I'm reading this, but I'm trying to get to my last point here. Because I know a lot of people in this room we already profess salvation, right? We already understand that we are saved, okay? We already understand that God got us, right? And maybe people are looking on uh, YouTube or Facebook or whatever, and a lot of us who look on a Sunday, we already know who Jesus is in our life. But there's a very important reason why John is speaking to these people and there's a very important um, uh, reason why Jesus is speaking to these people and we're gonna go see that, right? So, let's um, jump down to verse 31. It says, meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus um, to eat. They're saying, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you have know nothing about. And so they're talking amongst themselves. They're saying, did someone bring him food while we were, uh, when we were gone? Oh, no, I actually missed something. I missed something. So let, let me jump back. I'm sorry. Let me jump back because it says, then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, What do you want with her, or why are you talking to her? And the woman left her water jug beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Notice that this woman, number one, I told you about the culture that the men were coming, the disciples were coming, to apply on Jesus, You see that, where he's saying, why are you talking to this woman? Why are you talking to this woman? But notice, Jesus wasn't caught up in the traditions and the culture. He knew that salvation was coming to this woman. She had a level of expectancy. But notice that it wasn't just for this woman. She ran. After hearing the good news, she ran into town and told everybody she knew and the whole town comes out. All right. So then we jump down to what I read, where he's talking about food. Jesus is saying, I have food that you know nothing about. He says, My nourishment in verse 34 comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying. For m- four months between planting and harvesting. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The fields are already ripe for harvest. This is what I wanted to focus on towards the end of the message, to say, I know many of us are Christians, we're believers, but the fields are ripe for harvest. It's not okay for us just to sit here It really isn't. And I'm speaking to myself as well. He's saying the fields. And notice, the fields that both John and Jesus went to, they weren't the fields that we would expect them to go to. They were not the fields that literally, you, you know, people who are coming to church some Sundays, not other Sundays, they have a little bit of Christ, they have a little bit of knowledge, they have a little bit. No, he's going to people that had no hope. He's going to people that had no way, that they were earning for way back to the God of their salvation, but they didn't know the God of their salvation. And so he's saying, go to them. They are expecting, they're not in the place that you would think you will find them, but go because they're expecting for you to Come. I, I and I'm, I'm going to close on this story. Uh, when I was in college, we went on a, a trip with Impact. Um, it's a student organization uh, focusing on um, evangelism and uh, among co- college campuses. And we were in Atlanta, uh, and I was a senior at the time. There were a bunch of freshmen, right, that uh, I was supposed to be training, right. And we're, we they give us a box of food, much like we did yesterday, and they say go house to house hand the box of food to anybody who will come to the door and then minister to them and so we walk down these you know roads we don't see anybody home we knock on a few houses we get to this house um you know it's christmas break and so we we get to this house and there are a bunch of young people i think they were college age students too or high school students and they open the door and you know we give a spiel oh, here's a box of food. We're ministering to your physical need, but now we're also trying to minister to your spiritual needs. And we say to them, you know, we go through, God loves you, God gave, you believe, you live forever, right? Those are the four points that we were trying to cover. And this girl, she comes out of the door, right? When When we knock on the door, and we can see the people smoking weed inside, right? You can smell it, you know? We can see that, that they were probably they were drinking. You see all bottles, right? And so when I initially knocked, and I was trying to show the people behind me how to do it, but I was just as nervous, I'm sure. And so I they opened the door, and so I'm thinking in my mind when I see this picture. They're just going to tell us to go. They're just going to tell us to go. Let's leave the food. Let's leave a pamphlet, and let's go. But when we actually give the food and we walk through these points with them and you can tell that she wasn't doing what everybody else was doing. She was sober-minded. And she says, what can I do to be saved? What can I do to be saved? And even so much so that the people that came out of the house, that were in the house, they said, what's going on here? They too wanted to know how they could be saved we met the Samaritan woman we met the Samaritan woman salvation doesn't often go as planned as you think it would in your head but there are people who are expecting and we have to be open and honest enough to know that the good works that God has prepared for us have to do deal with getting the message to others Getting the message to others. Amen? Amen. Let me close with a prayer today. Father, we thank you for this time together. Can we stand? Can we stand? Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this opportunity, oh God, to come before you, Christ. With humble hearts knowing that, God, we have messed up. But you, God, are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Cleanse us of all unrighteousness. You purge us, O God. You wash us with your blood so that now we are clean and we can come boldly before your throne of grace, that we can have relationship with your Father. And so thank you, Lord. And Lord, as we know this, let it be known to all men. Let us use our lips, use our resources, use every part of our beings to go out, and make disciples as you have called us to do. Father, if we haven't been doing so, or we haven't been doing, we don't have the right mindset, God, we repent, we change our mindset, we change our ways, we walk, we wanna walk and do your will today, O oh God. Forgive us, and now let us walk in our purpose. Forgive us so that we can walk in, our plan, in your plan for our lives today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thanks again for joining us today. Here at Rainbow Family, our mission is to love God, love people, and change the world. If you would like to partner with us in any way, we encourage you to visit our website at rainbowfamilychristian.org.